0: Amen. I want to talk to you today about supernatural positioning. Supernatural positioning. You need to hear this today. Because sometimes people don't understand why certain things happen to them the way they do. And it is because they are out of position. They have done what they want to do instead of what... God wants them to do and you get out of position with God and you can cause some severe trouble trauma in your life well God loves me he loves you but he loves for you to be where you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to be doing amen and so I want to talk to you about this because if you will understand God can supernaturally position you To receive blessing in your life. To be a blessing to others. But also to defeat enemies. And so if you'll hear what I'm saying today. And listen to what the Holy Spirit says to you out of what I say today. It is going to help you understand how to be in the right place at the right time. And I want to tell you. As a Christian, as a believer, I am a firm believer that God can put you in the right place at the right time to do what He wants in your life and be blessed, bless others, and at the same time bring the enemy to their knees. But you have to understand this and understand how it works. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 17. I'm going to read this scripture, then I'm going to give you the back side of it. It says, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Now, isn't it interesting that the Lord said, first of all, that you are to position yourself. But the interesting thing about it is, if you back up to verse 15, it says the battle is not yours, but God's. But you have to position yourself in a place where God can fight for you. I don't know whether you understand this or not, and I trust that you do, but God cannot work with you anywhere. What do you mean by that? Well, let me give you a scripture that will help you with this. He resists the proud. So if you are in a place of pride doing what you want to do and not sensitive to what God wants to do, you put yourself in a place where God can't fight for you. Doesn't mean he doesn't love you. He just can't fight for you. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Is it always like this on Sunday morning? The battle is the Lord's, but you have to be in the right position. If you're in the right position, God will work with you. And you can see the supernatural work of God. You can see the deliverance of the Lord in your life. There was a powerful position that I put myself in, not even knowing it. And that was a church on a Thursday night, October the 17th, 1974. If I hadn't been there, I wouldn't be here. Because I made Jesus the Lord of my life that night. I was in the right position. I was in the right place at the right time. Now, when you're young or when you don't know the Lord and people are praying for you, God will move you around to get you in position. Trust me, He will. But other than that, you have to make those determinations yourself. You have to be open to God moving you. Now, just so you'll understand... There is a Greek definition for the word position that's very deep. I'm not sure you're going to be able to handle it today. It means to be put in a certain place. You understand what that means. But now here's the thing you've got to know. What the world thinks is out of position, God thinks is perfect position. The world can look and say, you are in no position to do what you're doing. You are in no position to receive what you want to receive. But listen, the world does not determine your position. God determines your position. And when you understand where God wants you, and you are where God wants you, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. It doesn't matter what adversity may be there. It doesn't matter what difficulty may be there. Because the world will tell you, you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Well, i got a scripture for you. 1 Corinthians 1.27 says, God will take the foolish things and confound the wise with them. In fact, if you read that, he loves to do that. It's, it's literally fun for God to take people like you and I and do something great with them while the world's looking at it and saying, how can that be? They are not in position to do that. How can they do that? How can they receive that? How can they stand? How can they work? How can they do anything in this position? A number of years ago, uh, we had an opportunity to build a television station in Shreveport. I had already had a commitment from the bank to loan me the money to build that television station. And uh, this was one of these big, uh, you know, banks at that time, a regional bank, but they've been bought out a number of times since. But at that time, they were the, the big dog in town, so to speak. President of the bank, promised me, we'll help you build that. We'll pay that. Now, he was just the president of the local bank, not, not the president of the whole thing. So we get this station. I pick up the phone. I come and say, good news. We've got the construction permit to build this station. It's only going to cost a million dollars. And it got quiet on the other end of the phone. He said, I'll have to get back with you. So back and forth. No, we're not going to do it, but you promised. I know I did, but we can't do it. Uh, and, And so finally he said, would you come have a conference with us? And I said, yeah, sure I will. So I came to went to the bank top of the you know bank building and I I walk in and I walk in this um, and they have this board room with looked like 100 chairs sitting at this board room you know and I'm sitting at one end and they got people sitting at every chair all the way down to the other end and on the other end there's nobody sitting there there's a speaker And so I'm, I'm there. And one of the guys opens a meeting and says, we've got the president of our whole banking system. Uh, he's on speakerphone." And of course he greeted me, you know, and, and, um, and, uh, he said, I understand you're wanting to borrow the money for this station and why he got involved in this. I have no idea. Well, I do have an idea, but anyway, it's the devil, but so I'm, I'm, I'm there and he, um, uh, he go. He told He said, "Now you know your your you know your statements and your, you look good, and we understand you could pay this note. It's no big deal. But we don't believe this is what he said. You are in a position as a church to own a television station, so we're not going to loan you the money." Shouldn't have said that. I had my, I had an attorney with me, you know, and a member of my church, and, and I slid my chair back, and he reached and grabbed my pants leg like this, and I stood up. I said, let me tell you something. You have no idea what position I'm in. You, all you know is what you think. You know how much money I've got. You know I can pay the money. You have no right to tell me I'm, in, I'm not in a position to do this. I said, I'm going to tell you right now. Yes, I got upset. Yes, I was talking loud. I said, I want you to understand right now, with you or without you, we will build this station. Because I'm in the right position to build it. Now, Reverend, don't get upset. I said, I'm upset. (laughs) And then I threatened him. I said, if you do this. I'm going to have a 1,000 people on your doorstep Monday morning and tell everybody in town what you did to me. Then I had to repent. You know, I, that, that's not right. But, so I had to repent. But, but, but bottom line, they didn't loan me the money because they thought I was in no position to do it. But you know what? I was in the perfect position. In fact, I have to tell you the truth. I'm glad they didn't loan me the money because I saw God supernaturally provide the money for that television station. In a way that would have never happened. I was in the perfect position to build that television station. Perfect. We had a man in our in our church who had just gotten saved in our church. He was a notable sinner. You know, the Bible says Jesus hung around with notable, notorious sinners. This was a notorious sinner. He got saved in our church. Wealthy man, businessman. He gave us, toward that television station, $125,000. We needed it. At that point, it was a desperate need. He didn't know it, but he gave us that. That money came from the sale of... Of a motel in town that he owned. That he rented the rooms by the hour. I don't need to go any further, do I? Okay. I mean, you think you're out of position. And God can do so many things you never even thought about. And you're probably in the right place at the right time. And don't even realize it. Because listen to me. God will put you in the right place at the right time, but you can never judge it by your circumstances. You can never judge it by your circumstances. Because there are a lot of times that God will put you in places that seem to be totally off base to get you where you need to be. Paul is on his second missionary trip, ready to go to the next place. He prays and says, Lord, I want to go to Asia. The Holy Spirit says, no. Lord, I want to go to Bithynia. The Holy Spirit says, no. Paul, he doesn't know where to go. You know, just because you don't know where to go doesn't mean you need to go somewhere. Sometimes it just means you just need to stay still. Paul's praying. He has a vision of a man. And this man is crying out to him, come over to Macedonia and help me. Come help me. Well, how many of you believe he got a revelation? He packed his bags. They headed to Macedonia, to Thyatira to be exact. They're on their way there. And they get there and Paul's looking for this guy. But he didn't see him, so he said, well, let's preach. So he went down to the riverside where the women washed the clothes. He started preaching, and a woman named Lydia got saved and invited him to her house and, and um, fed them, took care of them. And on the way to the temple one day to pray, there was this woman, and she began to scream out, These men are the Most High God! Paul knew instantly it was a wrong spirit. Right words don't mean they're Right. Anyway, so he stops and literally casts the demon spirit out of this woman. Well, it made all the businessmen upset because they were using her for financial gain. So they had Paul arrested. Beaten. He and Silas were thrown into prison, not just into prison, but into the innermost parts of the prison. Bloodied beat up in stocks, their feet, their hands locked. They couldn't even move. They couldn't lay down. They couldn't bend over, couldn't bend back. They were locked down. But the Bible says that at midnight, they started praising God. And the earth shook, and all the chains came off of them and every prisoner that was there. And the jailer comes in holding a light. And when he walked in with that light next to his head, Paul said, I'm here for you. He was in the right position. Not the position you want, nor I want, but it was in the position that God used to bring this man and his whole family to the Lord. Just because you think you're in a bad spot or in a wrong place or in a wrong position doesn't mean that you are. Doesn't mean that you are because God can supernaturally put you in a place and it, I don't mean this wrong, but it just doesn't matter to God. If it's a little tough on you, (laughs) when God started working in my life, my wife and I had been separated for 14 months, getting ready to get a divorce. God supernaturally got us back together. We were. I was living in Detroit, Michigan. Okay, so I'm living in Detroit, Michigan. God, God's dealing with me, but I didn't even realize what it was at the time. Okay, so when we got back together, I didn't want to live in Detroit, and and because just too much had happened there. But anyway, so I went to my boss and I said. Um, I really would like to move back south. And he said, funny you should say that. I was over a bunch of restaurants. And he said, our our supervisor in Dallas is from Detroit. He just called me wanting to know if he could move back to Detroit. Would you be willing to go to Dallas? Absolutely. (laughs) So we packed our bags and went to Dallas. Now, I just want to show you God's positioning, okay? So... We get to Dallas. My wife was a school teacher. She had never had a problem getting a, a job teaching school. Could not get a job in Dallas, Texas teaching school. Our best friends who, by the way, had just gotten saved and were the ones who were praying for us lived in Houston. They said they're hiring teachers in Houston. So my wife decided... We decided that if she could go to Houston and get a job, we would move to Houston because I was getting out of the restaurant business. First day she was there, she got a job. We moved to Houston. Before you know it, now listen to me. I'm walking the aisle of a church, Evangelistic Temple in Houston, Texas, getting saved. Started going to church there, Lakewood Church. Now, it's not the Lakewood you know today. John... Osteen. Joel's dad was my pastor. Joel was a teenager. I, I tease. I, we used to babysit Joel. So that's just, that's how far back we go. Okay. But then God speaks to us and tells us to go to Shreveport. Now, wait a minute. Wouldn't it have been a lot easier on God just to send us to Shreveport? He doesn't care. That doesn't bother him a bit that we had to go from Detroit to Dallas to Houston to get to where I'm supposed to be. Sometimes we want to complain about, well, I don't want to do that. Well, I don't want to go there. And the whole time God's trying to position you for something in your life, or for your family, and you're complaining about it, and the whole time God's saying, I want to bless you. I want to bless those around you. I want to defeat the enemies in your life. If you'll just listen and do what I say. He wants to position you in the right place to do the right thing. A number of years ago, I was preaching in Australia, and I'd been there for two weeks, and, And I was ready to come home. I mean, I was ready. And so I got to the airport in Sydney, and and I walk up to the counter and hand them my ticket. And they they said, uh, uh, Mr. Carr, your flight has been canceled. Now, you don't know those words when you've been gone from your family, and you hear those words. That's not good. And I said, well, fine. Just put me on another flight. When's the next flight? Two days. No, ma'am. I am not waiting 2 days to go home. And I had legitimate reasons they could have called me. I could eat lots of things. But anyway, and 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 so I said you got to find me another flight. I I I I want to go home. And I'm complaining and I'm moaning and I'm going, finally they found me a flight, but I had to go through Hawaii. Now you might think that's fun, but when you've been gone 2 weeks and you're ready to go home, Not impressed with Hawaii. Okay. Lay over there. Then I had to go to Los Angeles. And so I'm in Los Angeles, gotten on the plane to fly to Dallas to come home. I've been flying already. I've been gone 30 hours since I left Sydney. Days and nights are upside down. It's midnight in Los Angeles, and I'm wide awake. But I'm tired. I'm sitting on the plane. They had upgraded me to first class. So I'm sitting there reading my Bible. And I look up and these rockers start piling on the plane. Long hair, leather jackets, cursing. And guess where they sat? Filled up first class. One of them, I was sitting on the aisle Got in beside me. And when they saw me reading my Bible. Oh Lord. Are you going to have to sit by that guy? He's reading his Bible. Love you know. And just. Oh Lord. It was terrible. So I just ignored it. I'm already mad. Because I have had to do this. Been flying 30 hours. And I'm sitting there. And I'm reading my Bible. And this guy. Orders a drink. And he's drinking his drink. And and he looked over at me. He said. You a preacher? And I said. Yeah. i pastor a church. And. He didn't say another word. He reached down under his seat and pulled a Bible this thick, one of those old, you know, kind used to lay on the kitchen, on the dining room table, I mean, on the living room table. Pulled it out and said, I've been trying to read this thing and I don't understand a word it says. Can you help me? So, all the way from Los Angeles to Dallas. I talked to him about Jesus, prayed with him to get saved. The guy's best friend had been killed in a helicopter crash. And when they found him, they found a Bible in his pocket. And it said, I now know my destiny is with God. Name was Stevie Ray Vaughan. Some of you that are heathens and know all about Funny thing about it was he was one of my one of my guys before I got saved. Anyway, and this was his best friend. Do you know that it didn't bother God a bit to change my position to do something for the kingdom? And that it didn't bother him that I was tired, didn't bother him that I was going to be not home when I was supposed to. He was putting me in position to do something for the kingdom of God. You have to be so careful about your life. And I don't mean fearful, but you ought to be sensitive to God. I mean, it might be at Walmart or Academy or it could be anywhere. God would be positioning you to speak to someone, to touch their lives and all you've got to do is be willing to do it. But you've got to get it out of your head. Now listen to me. You've got to get it out of your head that it's going to be convenient. Because that is not in God's vocabulary. I could tell you dozens of times that that God would allow, allowed me to minister to people, but it was the most inconvenient time to do it but yet i've also had some of the most powerful blessings in my life because even though it was inconvenient it led to the blessings of god even though it looked like i'm fixing to have to fight a battle all i had to do was get myself in position to fight and god took care of the rest You have to understand that. You have to know that. You think about Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph had a dream. A God dream. I mean a big dream from God. Okay? At the end of the dream, he said this. And I'm going to read this out of the message translation, talking to his brothers. It says in verse 13 of Genesis 4, 45. It says, Tell my father... All about the high position I hold in Egypt. Tell him everything you have seen here. Tell my father about the high position that I now have in Egypt. But wait a minute. How did he get there? How did he get in that great, wonderful, high position? Because it doesn't come the way you expect. Joseph had to experience difficulty, but God was continually putting him where he needed to be to bring deliverance to the children of Israel. Joseph had no standing with Pharaoh. If he tried to walk into his palace, he would have been killed. So God brought him from the pit to Potiphar's house, to the prison, to the palace. Now, I just want to ask you today, if you want to be positioned by God, are you willing to go that route? Not physically, but in in essence, are you willing to endure some things, deal with some things, knowing that God's positioning you for something greater down the road, something that's greater than what? Really, sometimes it's greater than what you could ever even think about or expect. No, he had to become a slave in order to receive that position that God had for him. In Genesis 50, verse 20, in the New Living Translations, this is what Joseph said. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. I think sometimes, and listen, don't, don't, don't feel guilty about this because we've all done this, that we've missed times when God wanted to put us somewhere. We were too busy. We were too selfish. We didn't get it. it we didn't think it was important when the whole time it was powerful. It was important that you be in a certain place, position for God to use you in your life. Because He wants to position all of us. There is not a time in your life where you're facing facing adversity that if you don't seek God, He will position you for victory. And sometimes it will be the most foolish things you've ever heard. Lord, are you sure that's... But you have to understand and know. Listen to this. Jesus Himself had to position himself for the purpose of God. The Bible says in Philippians 2, 7, in the New Living Translation, it says Jesus gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he he appeared in human form. Jesus had to position himself... In order to deliver us, he could not just do anything he wanted to do. He couldn't be anything he wanted to be. The Bible says in the Garden of Gethsemane, he could have called 10,000 angels to his aid, but he didn't because it would not have brought deliverance to you. It would not have saved you. It would have saved him, but not you. He positioned himself for God's purpose in his life, and he never moved off of it, never changed one iota from what God had for him. Are we going to be that good? I wish we were, but the answer is no. Now, quickly before we dismiss today, I want to give you some things that can help you understand how to position yourself. Okay. I'm going to read you a scripture that will give you, give you some insight in this. Ephesians chapter 6 uh, verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the strategies of the devil. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of darkness of, and wicked spirits. In heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor of God. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all. To stand. How many of you know standing is a position. In fact the Bible tells me. That that actually means. That it is a position of victory. One translation says. Having done all. Stand victorious. So there are things you have to do. Here are a few of them real quick. The first thing you have to do if you're going to position yourself is you have to seek the will of God for your life. I want to tell you something this morning. I want you to listen to me because you must understand that God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life and he has a perfect direction for your life that you can walk. Sometimes it takes time to understand that and to learn that. And don't be afraid of that because, listen, when you're a little child, it's not the will of God for you to climb stairs when you're a baby. I've got a one-year-old, comes to our house, hits the stairs. Well, how many of you know he's not capable of doing that yet? So what happens? We have to guide him. So don't be fearful. Oh, I've got to know the will of God. Listen, as you grow in the Lord... More and more, the Lord will expect you to know what He wants for your life. and But He'll help you along the way. He'll help you know what He wants for your life if you have a desire for that. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 17, listen to this. The world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. He who does the will of God abides forever. Prepare yourself for God's purpose in your life. That will automatically position you in an amazing way. I could stay here till dark telling you just the story of how God got me and my wife, got Becky and I to Shreveport to start the church that we have. It's an amazing story. But but the point is, it's because I positioned myself to follow the will of God. Even when, even when it didn't make sense. I, I left a job in in, in Houston that was, was very, very lucrative to, want, to leave everything to come back to Shreveport. Not to go in ministry. I didn't even know I was called to ministry at the time. But when you want God's will for your life above other things, you don't even rationalize that. You don't even think about that. The second thing that you can do to position yourself is to be a prayer. Now, let me tell you, prayer does so many things. You could talk for hours on the different things that prayer does. But the thing that I have found over the years, been doing this since 1974, so I've been around a while, I have found out that prayer will prepare you for the significance of seasons in your life. In other words, you may be praying about your house note or paying about your bills or praying about a loved one or praying about something. And the whole time, something happens in your life and you say, oh, I got it. Why did you get it? Because you've been praying. Prayer will prepare you to recognize significant seasons of your life. Okay, this is what I need to do now. Because you're in tune with the Father, you're in tune with what God wants you to know and wants you to understand. There's something else that you need to know, and I'm, I'm going to boldly tell you this today, and that's this. Sowing can literally position you for your seed, uh, and, and that seed that you sow can position you for your future. And I'm, I'm talking about giving, but really it's any area of your life. It can just be the area of of sowing kindness to someone, sowing love to someone. Several years, well, it's been a good while now back, uh, I was in my office at the church and and my secretary came in and said, uh, Pastor, there's a man out here who needs to see you and, you know, he's kind of dressed, well, he's a painter. Have you ever noticed painters wear white? Why do painters wear white? You ever wonder? If you're a painter, you can explain that to me. But, but, and he said he's got an old nasty pair of shoes with him. He wants to see. You. I said, okay, yeah, I'll see him. So I walked out there, and introduced myself to him. He said, Pastor, you don't know me. And he said and he introduced himself. He said, I'm going to bring you these shoes. He said they don't mean anything to you, but. When you built your home, which was the, actually our office building now, he said, my best friend was the painter, one of the painters. And and uh, he said, you said something to him, made a comment to him about his shoes because they were worn out he and had holes in them and, you know, and he was getting, you know, and, and, and pretty raggedy. And you gave him the money to buy a new pair of shoes. I don't even remember it. I hate to say it, I don't even remember doing that. He said, because of that, it so impressed him because he always thought preachers were always in it for themselves and all that. because of that, he got saved and served God his whole life. And this is the last pair of shoes that he owned. And I thought you might want them. That seed of kindness came back to me, and un- I wept like a baby. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But even in your finances, in your money, your giving today is going to determine your future. Ecclesiastes 11.1 1 says, Cast your bread on the water, and in many days it will come back to you. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not interested in a soggy loaf of bread. You ever thought about that? You're going to throw a loaf of bread on the water and later you're going to come back and you got to eat it after it's been in that nasty river. That's not what it means. The Jordan River is the river they were talking about here. The Jordan River at certain times of the year would flood and it would swell out into the plains. And the children of Israel were nomadic. And... They would live in the northern part of Israel, and they would take their seed and they would throw it out on the river. And it would go down that river and it would flood out into the plains. Listen, you're rice farmers down here, you ought to know this this is the way it works. And then they would drain, then the waters would recede, and the seed would grow. And so when they went downriver, they already had a crop. You can position yourself financially for your future. Young people, one of the greatest things you could ever learn today is be a giver now. Well, when I get a job, get money, listen, do it now. Do it now. Why? Because you you are literally positioning yourself for your future financially. Be a tither now. Because it will position you. I I learned this when I got saved. I've done it since day one. And I I tell you, it's amazing what God can do in your life if you're a sower. Something else that's very important is this. Obedience. God told Abraham, leave now, I'm not prophesying to you today, so don't, don't misunderstand this. Leave your family. Leave all of them. And go where I'm telling you to go. Where are you telling me to go? I'm not going to tell you yet. Just go. You know, you might think that's very strange, but, but I actually had an experience like that one time. I had an employee uh, 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 on my staff that had gotten into sin. And he'd gotten so uh, so uh, distraught about it, he, he left his wife for another woman. It was a terrible deal. And he was hiding out. His wife was worried about him. She couldn't find him. I didn't, nobody knew where he was. And I'm at this church one day, and the Lord spoke to me. I mean, just in my spirit, the Holy Spirit said, Get in your car. Look, I've learned a long time ago you don't ask the Lord why. You just. Do what he says to. I got in the car he says, drive to such and such street. Well, I knew where the street was. I didn't, I wasn't even thinking. I just did it. And the street was a circle. It You go in this way and it circles back around to the main road. So I turn on the street and I go around the main road and I stop at the stop sign. I look to the left and here's that man walking across the street. He almost fainted when I rolled down the window and said, get in the car. When you're obedient, God can position you to do things beyond your wildest imagination. But you've got to be obedient. Well, that's silly. Well, maybe so. But it doesn't matter. It was silly to buy that man a pair of shoes maybe, but I did it. The last thing. Now, you've got to hear this. The last thing that will position you is faithfulness. Faithfulness. If you will be faithful to God, if you'll be faithful to your husband, to your wife, to your family, to your church, if you'll be faithful on your job, and I don't like this job, I tell you, I don't want to work. Listen, faithfulness... Is one of the most powerful things that you can ever imagine in your life. Listen to what it'll do. Faithfulness will lead you to your destiny. You will never be what God wants you to be if you're unfaithful. Oh, you might get something, you know, something, something, you know. I mean, but you, you're not going to see the fullness of of what God wants for your life unless you're a faithful person. But when you make up your mind to be a faithful person, you have put yourself in a position for God to lead you to your destiny. Jesus taught about this over and over again. If you're faithful in little things, He'll make you faithful and and He'll give you more. Everything revolves around faithfulness. I am where I am today, standing before you because I'm convinced, because I made up my mind, I'm going to be faithful to what God's called me to do. I'm going to be faithful to my wife, faithful to my family, faithful to my church, faithful to my friends. And when you do that, it'll always carry you to your destiny. Unfaithfulness will retard what God wants for your life. I'll tell you, to be honest with you church people are sometimes the most unfaithful people around they won't be faithful to their church they'll go here they'll go there they'll do this they'll do that thinking well God's going to follow me no you follow God he doesn't follow you he said draw near to me and I'll draw near to you do you understand what I'm saying be faithful and let God lead you to your destiny may take a little longer than what you want, but just be faithful. If you're in school, be faithful in school. Be faithful in school. It'll lead you to your destiny. Bow your heads with me if you would, please.